0: For our Advent sermon series, we've been asking the question, why did Jesus come? It's actually kind of an interesting question. I was watching a number of years ago, I went through this teaching series, a DVD series called The Truth Project. I don't know if anybody else has seen that group series. It's just really powerful, awesome teaching that Del Tackett takes Uh, you through and, and looking in so many different ways about where we find truth and the truth that God has revealed in so many different ways in our world. He starts off that series by asking the question, he's got this, it's in this old time lecture theater and he's got students sitting around him on desks and he asks this question, why did Jesus come? And all kinds of really good answers pop up all over the places. people are responding and, and uh, trying to answer this question, why did Jesus come? And, and <laughs> I actually find it kind of funny because Del Tackett shoots them all down. They've all got some really great answers, um, and, and he says, no, not that, and another one, and, and some people say a, a number of different things, some quoting some scripture, the the, uh, the passage from Isaiah that Jesus talks about as he's reading the scroll in the synagogue, and uh, talking about this is the, the day of the Lord, the, the year of Jubilee, and come to set the captives free, and so on and so forth, and Del Tackett says, no. And in other words, <laughs> he was looking for a very specific answer. And that kind of struck me that all these guys were given really good answers, but Dell didn't accept any of them. So it made me want to find out a little bit more. As, as you read through the gospel messages, the gospel accounts, there's actually a number of places where Jesus uh, describes why he came. What was the purpose? Absolutely, it was to, to die for our sins and to be our sacrifice, the, the, the Passover lamb for us, the sacrificial lamb, and, and all the rest of that kind of stuff. But there's a number of things that Jesus identifies as part of the reason of why he came. And so we've been looking at that. Uh, the first Sunday, Steve talked about how Jesus came as he was standing there before uh, Pilate and, uh, and said that, that I have come to bear witness To the truth. That was actually the passage that Del Tackett was looking for in his series. Uh, But so powerful that God would come and reveal Himself and reveal to us truth. That was part of the reason why Jesus came. Um, Last week we had uh, Marcus come and share with us that uh, the passage that Jesus said in his uh, Sermon on the Mount where he says the Son of Man has come to not abolish the law, but rather to fulfill the law. And Marcus took us through some great understanding of how Jesus came to fulfill that law in our lives. We're going to continue today by looking at another expression, another way that Jesus described what his Um, uh, what his purpose for coming. And we find this in Luke chapter 19. So if you've got your Bibles, you're going to want to turn to Luke chapter 19. I just want to pray before we go into this passage. Jesus, I thank you thank you for your clarity, the way that you help us out to be able to know what it is that you want us to know. You are generous in the way that you reveal yourself and your purposes and your plans for us. Lord, as we look at, at this passage today to try and understand why it is that you came, what were, what were the goals that you were trying to accomplish? Help us, Lord. not just to be able to to hear the words, but that your spirit would move in our hearts and we would hear your passions. We would know your priorities. That we would be touched by your message of love and hope. We thank you. Amen. I come from a family of five kids. All of us are very close in age. I think from my eldest brother to my youngest sister is just under five years. And so we're like boom, 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 all of us right together. I don't know from everybody else's perspective in my family if they would agree with me, but I would have to say that probably the most popular of our family is my second-oldest brother, David. He, he had, he's got the whole package. He's a good-looking guy. He's got smarts. He's athletic. And he's just so warm and so engaging, charismatic. Whenever he's talking to a group of people, everybody in that group feels like he's talking to them. Just makes everybody feel special. And yeah, everybody loves David. But he hasn't always made great life choices. Now, I don't mean that he, that he was a, uh, got into drugs or any of that kind of stuff. I'm, uh, I'm saying that he didn't always think things through really clearly before he just kind of jumped in. And he got himself into all kinds of dangerous situations. I can think of one situation that sticks out in my mind prominently. We were camping out in the, the Alberta mountains in the in um, Nordegg area around Rocky Mountain House. And um, we were at a lake and we were staying there for quite some time. And so we had enough time to be able to build. As kids, we built this beautiful raft, this amazing raft raft and we had it out on the lake and we're rafting around and all that kind of stuff David decided that he wanted it was a little bit hard to maneuver so he wanted to go back to the campsite and grab some swim fins so that he could jump in the water and kick and we would propel a little bit more fat more more quickly around the lake so we pull off to the side of the shore and he went running through the bush um, to to the campsite and we said that we would just kind of wait nearby so that when he came back, we'd be ready and we could, he could jump on board and we would go. Well, we waited and we waited and we waited. Little did we know that David made it back to the campsite, grabbed the swim fins, turned around and started running back, thought he would take a shortcut. And as he found his way through the trees, got turned around and missed the lake entirely. And kept on going and running and he was trying to go fast because he knew that we were waiting and uh, got further and further off off the track. Finally got to a place where he realized he was lost. So, as David is wont to do, decided that he would climb the highest tree that he could find so that he could see where the lake was and then head back over. Now uh, you got to picture this. this. This little kid, he was probably, I don't know, maybe 12 or something like that, running around barefoot in the woods in a nice green Speedo. <laughs> and he wanted to climb this tree. So he climbed up as high as he could see, as high as he could get, and saw a lake. There we go. Now we know where I'm going. Took off. Little did he realize there were a number of lakes In the area, and he had chosen one that was taking him further and further away from where he needed to be. So here we are out on the lake waiting for him. David, come on, hurry up. We're waiting. We got to get going. Finally, it was probably close to about an hour. He said, Something's wrong. So I went back to the campsite, asked Mom and Dad, Where's David? Do you know? And they said, Well, he was here and then he left. And all of a sudden we realized. Something had happened. He was gone. So we quick did a search in the campsite, looking around in the campground, if he was anywhere in, that, in those locations. Soon we realized he was gone. He was lost. I, I can't remember exactly understanding my, my parents' point of view. I'm sure they were out of their mind. Um, my mom decided that she was going to start uh, uh, banging the bush, trying to, to find uh, some sign of him through the trees anywhere. Uh, she, she was pushing through all of these branches and bush because she didn't know where he was and calling out, she has this distinctive, yoo that she was doing all over the place trying to get David's attention. She was getting scratched and everything, but she was, she was undeterred because she was desperate to find her lost son. My dad decided that he was going to come out with us on the raft and he was going to go out on the lake with us and and sound carries so well on the lake, he was going to do some yelling from the lake. We'd get to the other side just in case somehow David had got over on the other side of the lake and uh, he jumped on this raft. Uh, We built the raft for kids. And so it, it wasn't really handling dad's weight very well. It was sinking, his shoes and pants were all wet. None of that mattered because he needed to save his lost son. That's the picture that we have here in Luke chapter 19. Um, Jesus describes for us his purpose in coming, that he came to seek and to save those who were lost. It's the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus is this tax collector, and we've talked about tax collectors before in our mock in our, our series in Mark. Uh, the tax collectors were usually, generally, uh, local people, local Jewish individuals um, who had, for whatever reason, uh, seen in order to get some some uh, some position and and wealth for themselves that they took on a role for the Romans that they would collect taxes from their community. It was easier on the Romans uh, because it was somebody local. So they were hoping that by doing this, people would, um, uh, people would be more inclined to, to be giving and, and, and not lash out. Um, but the tax collectors weren't given any kind of a salary. What they were allowed to do, they needed to collect the appropriate tax from everybody. But then they could add on their own taxes so that they could pay for their own expenses, pay for their own living. And typically what happened is these tax collectors became quite greedy. And the amounts that they were demanding from the people of their neighbors grew and grew and grew until it became this oppressive thing. So they were seen not only as cheats, not only as greedy hurtful individuals, but they were also collaborators with the enemy. They were in league with the Romans and they would push their weight around. They were not popular people. They were understood to be sinners and, and when you would, when you would uh, group different kinds of sins and sinners together, tax collectors were one of the very worst. And here Jesus is reaching out to this man, Zacchaeus, a tax collector. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus has a very single-minded purpose, a very important thing that he needs to accomplish to go to Jerusalem to fulfill his role as the sacrificial lamb for the sins of the whole world. And yet he takes the time, he stops in his travels, and seeks out Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a short little guy and has to climb up into a tree to be able to see Jesus amongst the whole crowds. And Jesus sees him up in the tree and goes up to him and says, Zacchaeus, come down, for I'm going to your house today. As you can imagine, the rest of the neighborhood was taken aback. And then kind of move through that to a little bit of anger and saying, Jesus, why would you be hanging out with this person who is taking advantage of us, who is a collaborator with the enemy? Why would you be spending time with a person like this? And the passage says that they grumbled. I think probably grumbled is putting it a little bit mildly. They were probably getting a little bit irate and accusing Jesus. What is Jesus' response? He says, Today, salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus had a very important purpose waiting for him in Jerusalem. But it wasn't wasn't so important that he also wasn't able to accomplish his other purposes of seeking and saving the lost. To reaching out to those who are far from God. To reaching out to those who, who, because of their own choices, because of their own sinfulness, have gotten themselves in a place where they're marginalized by this society, where they are, uh, where they are, are, are pursuing their own selfish needs and their own selfish gains and, and flinging themselves headlong down a path of destruction. And Jesus is there to seek them out. It's not just that Jesus, the Son of Man, has come to save lost but he's come to seek them out to find them to pursue after them to reach out because they are not looking for him themselves they're not in a position of of uh, of reaching out for the help that that God is offering them through Jesus Christ they need to be sought out because they are lost they don't know where they're going. they're just like my, my brother David. He was wandering out in the trees. He didn't know where to go. He didn't know what was the right direction. He was doing the best that he could and all was helping. All was happening was he's getting further and further away. Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. Why? Why would he do that? Well, Jesus, in his discussion with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, gives us the answer to why Jesus came to seek and save the lost. It's that famous verse that most of us has memorized at some point in our life, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish, should not be destined to walk in lostness, but instead receive eternal life. It's because of God's love for us that He sent Jesus to seek and to save the lost. That was was the motivation for my parents to do whatever it took to be able to go and find their son because of their great love for their son, for their beloved son, if it was me that was lost, maybe they wouldn't have worked quite so hard. Well, no, that's not true. Sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening. I know that's not true. But it was because of their love for their son that they would do whatever it took to be able to find where he was. And that's, that's God's position for us. As wonderful as that promise is in John 3.16, it should never overshadow the very next verse That comes after that. John 3 17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Not everybody gets that. Too often we have this picture of of Jesus coming into this world to be able to point his finger and say, You missed the boat. You're way off track. Look at the awfulness of your life. That God in His judgment sits there up in heaven and condemns and is just looking for an opportunity to be able to squash us, to make our lives miserable, to judge all those things that we've done to be able to alienate us from Himself. That is not the heart. Absolutely, our sin is, separates us from God, that God does not, cannot uh, cannot stand our sin. But it's not because He wants to condemn, it's because He wants, He longs, He has a passion to save, to redeem. Back in 1800s, late 1800s, there was a man, Francis Thompson, who wrote a poem. Called The Hound of Heaven. It's this amazing story of his conversion experience, his relationship with God. How he, in the beginning of his life, recognized that God was pursuing him. And he wanted nothing to do with that. And so, with Abandon, he immersed himself in every pleasure that he could find, in every activity that that, that fed his own self-gratification. But as life went on, he just found that it just left more and more destruction. In his life, physically, emotionally, relationally, but also in the lives of others around him, his family were broken time and time again as they saw these choices that he was making. And all the time, he said, as he, as he was pursuing all of this pleasure, he heard the footsteps of that hound of heaven, that, that, that pursuit of God who would never stop seeking after him who followed him through all of the darkness, all of the the ugliness that he chose in his life in order to be able to reach out and rescue him. And instead of drawing him closer, it just just made him more determined to find some other way that he could could, uh, get rid of that voice, that he could live life on his own terms. And he responded to the call of the of the self-help, of being able to to work on self-esteem, to be able to improve yourself in order to to bring meaning and purpose to life. And and, and he pursued that with vigor, of trying to to make the decisions to fix up his life, to set things straight, to to feel good about himself, to build up his self-esteem. And he talks about in this poem how Uh, how that just became empty and as he realized it was even though on the outside it looked so good it made so much sense that that would be the the answer to finding peace and rest in life when he actually entered into the building it was just a facade left him empty no meaning no purpose no real peace and rest in his life because it was all still even in that self-centered all circled around him And it left him broken and empty. He decided what he needed to do was he needed to find a way that he could make a difference in other people's life. And so he pursued a life of social justice, of of ministering to those who were in need, of of going out to the poor, the slums, the the hurting, to do everything that he could to, to make himself good by being good to other people even though that pursuit brought some momentary relief some momentary joy again over time it left him empty it left him lonely left him desperate because again it was all about himself about trying to make himself feel good and still that footprints those footsteps of god pursued him even there reaching out to him Longing, And he lashed out and, and, and cut and wounded that God so that he started to bleed. But even there, God never gave up. God never stopped pursuing him until Francis came to the, the, the last conclusion, the only escape, the only path of peace that he could think of was by ending his life calling it quits. And there in that desperation of his own self-destruction, the voice and the presence of God became so real. And God asked the question, of all these voices that you have been chasing after, that you've been trying to, to cling to, Where did you find love? (laughs) Francis had to acknowledge, only in your voice is there true love. Only in your your embrace is there true healing. Only in in following after you is there true peace. And in that moment of, of bleak emptiness... Francis received that gift that Jesus was offering, that 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 persistent seeker who wouldn't stop reaching out and drawing him to himself. And in that, he found life. Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. He is still engaged in that, even though he is... Now in heaven at the right hand of the Father, He continues to seek out those who are lost, those who are far from Him, those who are who are uh, who are, are locked on a path of of seeking their own uh, their own uh, fix, their own means of bringing wholeness and peace and rest in their life, and He continues to send out that message of love. Come to Me, all you who are. Weary and weighed down. and I will give you rest. Not only is is Jesus reaching out and seeking those who are lost, He calls us as His people to join Him in that effort of being able to seek out those who are lost. One of the things that we're uh, doing as, as a part of this Follow the Star event out at Arbutus Meadows, that was the, the passion that Rob and Samantha had, the vision that God gave them, that they would use their property as a means of introducing people to the peace, the rest, the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ, the coming of His Son. And as we uh, spend time out there and and uh, give up our evenings, our time, to be able to man those booths, to sit at the manger, to to walk people through those lights. We are joining in that hound of heaven of seeking those that are lost, of giving them every opportunity of coming face to face with the message, the hope of Jesus Christ, sharing that with Him. There's so many different ways that God encourages, invites us to join in that pursuit of seeking and saving the lost. This Advent season, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to stop fleeing from that pursuit of God in your life. I don't know where you are at, I don't know all of your experiences, the things that you have tried, but I know that you have heard those footsteps following after you. I know that the Lord has not given up on reaching out to you with His love, on showing to you that there is hope, there is joy, there is peace, there is love. And it's all found in His embrace. In His sacrifice for you. I invite you this Advent season to stop the chase. And receive that gift that Jesus Christ is offering to each and every one of us. For those of us God's people. Let me encourage you in this Advent season to continue to be used by God to seek out those who are lost. It can be so easy at Christmas time to get caught up in our own enjoyments, in the times with family, in the times of celebration, and, 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 and to feel safe in our own homes. There are so many who, like Francis Thompson, need to receive and hear the message of Jesus Christ to be able to experience his seeking them out. Let's us as a a family of God commit once again to be used by him to seek out and save those who are lost. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you have come to seek us out. That in the midst of our sinfulness, in the midst of our deadness, that you continue to pursue. You continue to draw us. You continue to reveal yourself to us. Your determination is unwavering. Your motivation are always pure. Lord, I pray that right now, if there is someone here in this place who is hearing those footsteps of you pursuing them, seeking them out, that today would be the day that they would stop running and that they would receive all that you have them That they would put their faith and trust in your sacrifice to pay the price for their sin, that they can now be made right with you. Would today be that day? Lord, for, for us as your people, would you motivate us again? Would you, would you uh, um, birth within us a new passion and desire to play a part in that seeking out those who are lost. That at this Christmas season, we would look for those opportunities that you would create that we could be able to, to communicate a, a message of love, that we could act out a, a, a message of service, of care, of, of, of hope, that we would walk around with with your joy, that we would be able to spread that with the people that we would come in contact with. And would we have the joy and the privilege of seeing you save those who are lost. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.